a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the old Republic. Before the dark times. Before the Empire. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Starlight Beacon, a Star Wars High Republic podcast. As always, this is Gary, and I'm joined by the Rudy Librarian himself, Brian. What's going on, Brian? Oh, you know, Star Wars stuff, mostly. Lots of Star Wars stuff. It was a light Star Wars week for me, actually. I felt like I didn't live too much in a galaxy far, far away. Um, I didn't read anything Star Wars, because I finished everything we had to read for this book. Uh, for this show, rather. Um, yeah, it was a light Star Wars week for me. What did you do this week in Star Wars? Um, well, I watched a lot of... I can't help myself. You know, I want to watch all the Star Wars YouTube videos and, and, and like, the people processing the plot like we are. I find that fascinating to see what they agree with or disagree with. Um, and then my son's birthday was yesterday. He turned eight, and uh, he's kind of... He's on the Star Wars kick right now, so we got him... Uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2 and Star Wars Squadrons. And uh, he had, you know, a Star Wars cake and Star Wars balloons. So a lot of Star Wars around the house right now. That sounds awesome. That sounds like like pretty much most of my birthdays, honestly. And I'm uh, not a child anymore. But that's really cool. What system do you have, by the way? We have a PS4. Okay, okay. I have an Xbox One. And uh, what is cool about at least Squadrons is you can play it across consoles. So we might have to do that. We might have to hook it once you get into squadrons a little bit. Maybe you and I can meet up there. I'm no good. I'm terrible, by the way. Yeah, I'm not a great gamer in general. Um, and and I will say maybe a little bit buying him these Star Wars mo- games. He wanted them, but it was a little self-serving for sure because I, I want them also. So uh, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to playing with him. He was playing with uh, Battlefront 2 last night. Some, uh, but because the game's been out forever – it you know it had to download all the upgrades updates and stuff from when it came right. out and it was like six hours of downloading updates so uh, that's why i'm a switch fan switch is my favorite system you just pop it in and you go that's that's nice i don't like all these downloads even when you buy a physical disc you still have to update and stuff which is frustrating but um you played fallen fallen order right oh yeah we've beat that uh, beaten that pardon me uh grammar problem there uh but Je- jeremiah is uh going back and Playing it all now with uh, Cal Kestis in his uh, Imperial uniform. Okay, cool. Um, the reason I bring that up is there was a rumor on the Star Wars internet this week. Um, well, I think it's pretty pretty confirmed that they're going to do a second Fallen Order game, but that Darth Maul might be involved in the plot of the second uh, Fallen Order, which if you think about the timeline, it's it's somewhere between Clone Wars and Rebels and, and probably after Solo. So that, that fits in pretty well. I'm interested to see if that actually comes to fruition. Yeah, if they okay, so that makes me wonder: Are they going to try and give us a little bit of what's going on, like how Darth Maul comes to be the head of like what is it, Red Sun? Or what's it's, uh, what's the name? Uh, it's not the name. Black Sun? No, 
I don't, but you know what I'm talking about? The criminal yes. organization? It's killing me now. Crimson Dawn. There we go. Good yes. Lord. Sun's not in it at all. Dawn's in it. But, uh, but yeah, so I, I'd love to hear a little bit about that. But I am also, I still have fingers crossed for like either a solo Disney Plus series or a solo two movie because I actually really enjoyed solo and I want to know what happens with the characters after the end of that. Maybe one day in the future when it's a little slow on High Republic things, we can do uh, some deep dives into other Star Wars media because I also love Solo. I think it's a terrific movie. Um, but just wrapping yeah. it up with video games real quick. Battlefront 2 uh, is excellent. If you haven't played it yet, uh, Brian or anybody listening, I really recommend it. The story mode I loved, uh, especially because it ties into a lot of the Star Wars novels. Um, ex- uh, there's the Star Wars Battlefront 2 Inferno Squadron book which uh, I thought was just going to be like a, a silly tie-in book, and I wasn't super excited when I read it. Actually ended up being one of my favorite Star Wars books. I think it's really, really great. And Brian and I were actually talking about that book earlier this week. He's trying to find a, a good hardcover copy if anybody out there in the world has it. You still looking for one, Brian? Yes. So if anybody has one, let Brian know. Um, but that, that book was excellent. The story mode in, in Battlefront 2 is really fun. Squadrons has a story mode, but it, there's really not a lot of depth to it. That's more about just uh, online play, but it's it's also a fun game. It's worth worth the price. Yeah, and I, I think you know just not not connected to the video games, but just since we mentioned Solo, it's funny. I I find myself because I'm such a huge Star Wars fanboy. I, I I'm constantly like talking about products that I've purchased that are Star Wars on here, um, and you know we're not being like uh we're, we don't have advertisers we're not paying it's kind of like wayne's world you know that like it's like people only do things because they get paid and that's just really sad um but <laughs> <laughs> but the uh uh you and i both have something i'm very excited about coming here in the mail very very soon which is our solo vinyl album from mondo which looks freaking beautiful and i cannot wait for that to be in my mailbox and on my on my turntable yeah, I am really excited for that. We'll post up some pictures when we get that. Um, some Star Wars news that we got this week. One thing I was really, really excited for was the announcement of a new Star Wars book. It's We're getting so many Star Wars books, even outside of the High Republic this year. We have um, the Final Alphabet Squadron coming out. We have another Thrawn book coming out. We have a Mandalorian book coming out at the end of the year. Um, but they just announced for a September 7th, I believe, release. Uh, a book called Life Day Treasury, uh, sto- uh, Holiday Stories from a Galaxy Far, Far Away. And this just 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 warms my heart. I love Christmas. I love Life Day. And I love these anthology books that they've been doing. They did a, a Tales of the, the Light. I don't remember what the... the Myths and uh, Fables. Myths and Fables. And what was the other one? The one that was horror-themed. It was like Tales of the Dark Side or Tales something. Tales of the Dark Side. Yeah, both of those are excellent. Uh, have you read either of them? I have perused. I have not partaken fully. No, I've, I've kind of glanced through. Yeah, they're both pretty fun reads. I recommend checking them out. Um, they did a couple re-releases. There's like a Disney Store exclusive re- uh, release of Myths and Fables. There's a Target exclusive release of both. Um, and both those have uh, additional stories in there. But looking forward to the Life Day Treasury that comes out uh, in September. Get us right and ready for the holiday season. But it's going to tie into High Republic. So there's going to be at least one High Republic story that we know of involved in there. And that's going to follow um, a Jedi who we've met in a couple of our High Republic um, stories so far. And that's Stellan Geos. Um, and he was created by Kevin Scott. And Kevin Scott is the author of this book. So it's fun. I, I'm hoping there might be one or two other High Republic kind of nods in there. Um, either way, really excited for it. 
And some of the art they've released, there's a, a picture of Stellan kind of hanging out in a city with some snow around him. It's funny because it's snowing like crazy as I look out my window right now in New Jersey. And then there's a really fun picture of Ewoks hanging out in snow. So really excited for that book. Um, obviously, we will be covering it here on the show once it comes out. Yeah, and I got to say real quick, two things about that book. Number one, anything with Ewoks, I'm down with. I know uh, <laughs> for some people, Ewoks are maybe like the Jar Jar Binks of Return of the Jedi. But um, but first of all, I don't, I don't have a problem with Jar Jar Binks that much either. But uh, I, Return of the Jedi was my favorite original trilogy movie, and I loved the Ewoks as a kid so much. So I'm excited about that. And that picture of Stellan Geos is very it, – it, it's got a little Batman to it, I think. You know, he's yeah. on top of a building – his cloak billowing around him, and I dig it. I also love uh, Ewoks, by the way. When I was on my paternity leave last year, uh, I got really into the Ewok cartoon from the 1980s. I watched all of it on YouTube. Um, it's it's great. I love it. I bought some original animation cells that I have now framed in my house. And then I went out and bought uh, Caravan of Courage and Battle for Endor, which I have never seen, and I still have not seen. I, I keep saving them for a special day, but I've actually never seen either of them, and I, I'm really looking forward to watching those one day. I saw Battle of Endor back in the 80s, and I, I loved that movie. I've never seen Caravan of Dreams, but my only right now my only large Funko Pop is Wicket, and uh, he hangs out in my classroom, uh, you know, guarding guarding the book sh the bookshelf. So, uh, gotta love him. It's funny you say Funko Pops, too, and then we'll jump into news. But I guess I did have something that happened to me, Star Wars, this week. Um, my boss came to me one day, or, yeah, my boss is like, hey, do you know that there's, like, this store that sells those stupid bobbleheads that you like right around the corner? I'm like, what are you talking about? And I've worked in the same area for about three and a half years. So I'm like, no, there's not. Apparently there is. Apparently right down the street from my job, about literally two minutes away, there is a massive, massive comic book store. And that is touted as the, the having the highest inventory of Funko Pops in all of New Jersey. Now I'm a big Funko Pop collector. So I said, okay, let me go check that out. And it's absolutely true. I It's literally Funko Pops from wall to wall in a gigantic store. And um, I, I, I had to buy something being there. And I think every week I'm going to have to go in and pop in. But this week I got an Ezra Pop, which I've actually never seen in person. So I had to pick up Ezra um, from Rebels. But um they had that giant wicket that you're talking about, and I it was it was on my mind to buy that, so maybe that might happen. That's awesome. Yeah, you and I, I forget sometimes you're in New Jersey. We got to talk comic books sometimes because, uh, you know, I was a big fan of the show Comic Book Men, and uh, that's set there in New Jersey. So I I used to live in Red Bank, where that 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 store is. Nice. So yeah. yeah, it was. We're on a side note here. I apologize, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I used to live in Red Bank, where that store is. The store is, is a lot smaller than you you might think it is. They make it look bigger on TV, but it's really cool. And all the guys that are on the show work in the store. I, that's where I used to get my comics when I lived in that town. Um, but it's pretty wild. You would see like you know Jason Mewes walking down the street sometimes, or Kevin Smith just walking down the street. I'm like, oh, that's cool, whatever, no big deal. But yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah, I don't want to get us too far off, but the, <laughs> I had to throw that out there. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep us going with news here, right? So there was a we had our first episode of the Star Wars show, the High Republic special, and we really didn't know exactly like how often that was going to be happening. Like, is it going to be weekly, monthly, whatever? And they kind of, you know, the next episode is a few weeks out, I think. So um, but they did have a few reveals at the end. First of all, it was a great show. Uh, Got to give them props. Uh, they had some great interviews there with uh, Charles Soule and Justina Ireland. And I forget the gentleman's name, but he's kind of over the uh, Lucas uh publishing you know um 
he's kind of the guy that's been, you know, heading this whole High Republic thing. And and it was it was great. At the end of the show, they had a few reveals. They're like, we're always going to give you a few, you know, exclusive released bits of information. So one of those is about the book that we're going to talk about in our next podcast. Um, well, it won't be our next podcast, but we'll talk about it more at the end. But the next actual book release, which is Into the Dark by Claudia Gray, which comes out on the second. Um, and that is they revealed one of the characters. Now, one thing we knew about this book is that one of the protagonists is going to be a Jedi librarian. And I'm super pumped about that because I am uh, I just finished getting my degree to be a school librarian. And the only librarian we've had before this is Jocasta New. Um, so we're going to have that Jedi librarian, but they also revealed uh, a new character, which is a Jedi Wayseeker named Orla Jereni. And do you know much about what a what Jedi Wayseekers are? I don't, no. I don't really know a whole lot about that either. And so that's something I need to dive into and understand a little bit more. But one of the things they said after that is that we're going to get a lot of her like kind of going back to her her past and her present. Uh, so that's super exciting. But one of the things visually that's super exciting about uh, Orla Jereni is her lightsaber, which her lightsaber is like Dark Ray's lightsaber. It's double-bladed and hinged. And uh, so it can snap into one giant, you know, double lightsaber like, like uh, Darth Maul's. Um, but it shows her holding it hinged and lit on both blades as though she may at times use it in that way, which is really interesting idea. That, that sounds really cool. I liked the design of uh, Ray's double lightsaber a lot. I thought that was cool. Do you think a way seeker could be kind of like what the, uh, we talked about the Skywalkers in one of our last, and I think in our last episode or like, um, Santeca character from Light of the Jedi, somebody who's able to navigate through uh, hyperspace potentially. Uh, maybe let me let me check real quick. I mean, I'm so, sure uh, I'm sure it's it, it's announced what it actually is. We just don't know, and I'm sorry if we don't. I'm uh, I'm I'm trying to uh, see if I can type faster than I can talk. See if I come up. Okay, Wayseeker on Wikipedia uh, was a title of the Jedi Order that signified a Jedi who wished to operate independently of the Jedi High Council and its dictates. Okay. <laughs> Um, you know, I, 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 I've definitely known other way seekers, but didn't necessarily know that that was the title. So in other words, they're a Jedi that does not want to function as part of the, you know, under the Jedi high council's leadership way seekers have been known to undergo again. I'm plagiarizing Wikipedia here, solitary meditation on mountaintops and assist revolutionaries against planetary tyrants. In one memorable case, a Jedi way seeker became a minor singing sensation on Alteron. <laughs> um, Orla Jereni, who declared herself to be a wayseeker during the the High Republic era, that's kind of a weird sentence. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I don't think read... the, I don't think I don't think she's the Alderanian singer, but it, there was a, sort of weird phrasing there. But have you read the um, the Dooku Jedi Lost? I think it's called Dooku Jedi Lost uh, Booker. Uh, Booker it was like an audio kind of presentation that they did for that yet yeah by Kevin scott yes interesting and they they mentioned i don't know what they call it the lost the lost jedi or the, the lost it was a number of lost 12 or something like that I, we're really like not remembering things today i apologize but that just makes me think of that maybe there's some tie in there maybe that's something that they're leading to yeah absolutely and i think it's cool to have it, it'll be interesting to have you know we're used to 
there being characters, there being more tension with the Jedi Council and stuff like that in the later books and movies. And so to have somebody that doesn't function under the Jedi Council early, when the Jedi Council's like at its height and everyone <coughs> seems to esteem them and all that, it'll be interesting to find out what's the motivation for not functioning under that. So just one more reason to definitely dive headfirst into Claudia Gray's book. Yeah, I can't wait to get my hands on that. Um, We've seen some of those kind of uh, out in the wild, um, kind of been leaking out and pre-released in some stores. Um, I have not picked up my copy yet. Uh, I'm still waiting for it to come in, but um, I know some people have their hands on it. Some people have read it already, and I cannot wait for that book. Absolutely. We, uh, we've, we've both said many, many times, but for, for both of us, Claudia Gray is one of our top most buy, instant buy, I mean, she was the first new canon book I read, first Star Wars book I ever read all the way through. And uh, I, as the children's book says, I'll love her forever. I'll like her for always. <laughs> as long as she's living, my author shall be. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we're both dads. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So the other news we got was about Edge of Balance, which is the manga uh, that's being written by Justina Ireland and... Um, there's also a uh, you know actual manga writer that's writing it. I'm trying to make sure I get her name, uh, and I'm sure I'll mispronounce it. Uh, let's see real quick. Uh, Shim, Shima Shima Shinya, excuse okay. me, sorry. Shima Shinya and Justina Ireland are the writers, and Mizuki Saka Kibara is the penciler. Um, now this is one of the ones that's coming out. Uh, from Viz Media, and the way Justine Ireland talked about it in an interview this week that I watched was that it's not like a Star Wars book that happens to be a manga. It's a manga that happens to be a Star Wars book. Cool. So that's really been their their intention, is to make it a really great manga on its own. And I think they said that happens later in the timeline. Is that correct? Uh, let me see. Oh, no, I'm thinking, of, I'm thinking of the Chinese released book that happens late in the timeline i believe yes and that's been releasing chapters and stuff but you have to actually like translate that to read it so we'll get our hands on that one day guys yeah so um the news that we got about edge of balance is uh the the we got the protagonist's name um which her name is lily tora Aussie. and um so we got we got her name. We got a picture of her, which is really really great. Um, you can you can find that online. We'll try and maybe post a picture of it later this week or something. Um, we know that they're going. She is a young Jedi, and she's going to be facing the Drangir, who are uh, hungry for Jedi. They said, um, who will also see show up in this book is Stellan Geos. Stellan Geos will also be in this book, uh, which is very exciting, and our second Jedi Wookie which is, his name is Arkoff. Hmm. Uh, so we've got Buryaga and we've got Arkoff. It's a good time to be a Wookiee and a Jedi in the High <laughs> Republic. Awesome. Looking forward to those. Um, and then we have the day that this, or the day, uh, the day after this podcast release, we have two new comics coming out, right? We have issue two of Marvel. Uh, the Marvel run is going to come out February 3rd. And then we have the IDW... High Republic Adventures, which is gearing a little bit younger um, than the Marvel line. Um, that's going to be re- releasing the same day too, I believe. Absolutely. And the, the, 
the Marvel comics are written by Kevin Scott, and the uh, the IDW are written by Daniel Jose Older, who wrote Last Shot. Um, and what he's kind of given us that we're you know to look forward to, especially is that the the High Republic adventures are aimed a little bit younger, but it's Yoda taking you know students out for a trip abroad to learn in the universe, and we're also going to have a character in this named Buckets of Blood. So. Oh, real! I did not know that. That is so cool. <laughs> Buckets of blood. <laughs> yeah, do you remember Daniel Jose Older talking about that a little bit? I don't know. I I'm, I must have forgotten about that. That's neat. So he talked about how, and I'm sure we'll hit this later, but he talked about how he was a paramedic for a while, <laughs> and there was always this like sort of like folk tale out in the world of like the paramedic who would talk on the radio, radio and he'd be like, this is Buckets of Blood. And you're like, wait, how's a paramedic named Buckets of Blood? And he was like, I put the blood back into the bodies. Okay. And, <laughs> and so that's sort of playing off of that. And this character that's going to be Buckets of Blood, I think, is kind of a medic healer type character um, with this terrifying nickname. So Cool. Uh, Daniel Jose Older is also uh, going to be, he wrote the next kind of, is it mid-grade? Or have, what did we settle on? Is a mid-grade reader that... Uh, race to Crash Point Tower. Yes, mid-grade. Yeah. And that comes out this summer. So really excited for that. That's similar to the book we're going to be talking about today, A Test of Courage. But um, any other news we needed to go over before we jump into it? I think we hit it. Let's let's dive in. Perfect. So first thing we're going to be talking about today is the first issue of the Marvel comic. Um, from here on out, in the rest of this episode, everything is spoiler heavy. So if you have not read Marvel issue one or A Test of Courage, um, we will be covering those in depth and we'll be spoiling the the plot points in both of those books. So um might want to come back uh, and and revisit us if you if you haven't read those yet. So first thing we get is the Marvel comic issue one, which was a huge success. I don't know the the sales numbers off the top of my head, but my buddy works and manages a comic book shop and he said that they were sold out all in advance. He had to uh, put aside a copy for me. I didn't get a variant, unfortunately. He kept the variant for himself. I got a regular copy. Um, he said it was a huge success. People were really, really excited to get it, which always typically happens with an issue one when you're introducing like new characters, first appearance or anything like that. But just the buzz on High Republic has been so strong. So Marvel issue one, which had like, I think it's in a third printing and has about seven or eight variant covers. Um, so a quick little fun read. I'm going to give a little uh, plot summary, summary and synopsis, and we'll, we'll talk about some of the points in there. So it's the... Story covers, uh, uh, sorry, follows Keeve Trennis, who is a Jedi Padawan of the Trandoshan Jedi Master, Skier. And it covers, it follows as she goes through her Jedi trials on the planet of Shirudin. Um, and during her trial, she's forced to choose between completing the trial or saving the city of the Zimpi. Um, she chooses to save the city, which actually turns out that that was pretty much part of her trial after all. So we follow the action there as she, fought, as she fights a monster which i thought was really cool as a giant monster fan the kaiju fan that was fun um and it turns out that that was her jedi trial um and at the end of this trial she is promoted to a jedi knight aboard starlight beacon um in the ceremony there um, by evar chris who is, we know is the kind of overseer of starlight beacon and the book ends on a cliffhanger as skier is uh retreating to his quarters and see something that rattles him to his core. And that's what we are left with. Um, 
as with typical comic stuff, you know, it's heavy on the action. I thought this was a really fun read and kind of set the tone for what we're going to see from these Marvel books. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. I, I hated the cliffhanger. I'm not a, I, I mean, I loved it, but I hated it. You know, like I'm like, yeah, bring it. Give me another episode. Give me an, sorry, it's not Netflix. Give me another, uh, <laughs> give me another issue, you know, but, um, but yeah, it, I, I definitely loved it. And I'm, I'm a fan of Keeve. I, I yeah. want to see more Keeve for sure. I liked her too. I think it's interesting that we are meeting Jedi's of, of kind of all different paths in their like Jedi career, for lack of a better term. Um, you know, Keeve kind of reminds me of Vern, who we're going to talk about later on because they're new new Jedi Knights. Um, and uh, we see her actually get to go through the trials in this story, um, which is another thing I kind of want to talk about. Uh, We've never really seen a definitive, like, example or explanation of what the Jedi trials um, encompass, right? We saw it with Anakin in Clone Wars, but that was kind of different than what other Jedi have gone through, which I kind of think is interesting. Do you think that there's a definitive, you have to do these five things to become a Jedi, or is it kind of, like, up to the Master to decide? How do you think that works? I, I think it's up to the Master, and I got to say, I don't think what ended up happening was what Skier intended. Okay. Uh, to, and, and we can talk about this, but you know, when it starts out, Skier says, here's your trial. There are these like needles, which are unique to this eye, you know, this place. They're like hundreds of feet tall. Yeah. And I've hidden a metal. I've hung a metal from the top of one. These things are super fragile. So you got to be really careful, but you got to get all the way to the top and get the metal and get down without falling. Um, and then you're going to be a Jedi. And I honestly think that's what he intended. And this was like something that happened. And he was just like, well, you proved yourself hearing <laughs> this. And so now you're a Jedi Knight. Um, but so I think there's definitely flexibility. You know what I mean? It's like uh, in Light of the Jedi, when we have um, Bell, who at the end of everything they go through, he's like, you're ready to be a Jedi Knight, right? Like he's, he's supposed to be getting his promotion at the end of, of that. And it was like, there were, he wasn't in the middle of a trial. It's just, they went through stuff and he was like, now you're ready. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, and just made me think too, you're right. Bell, another character we talked about is also on that verge of becoming a Jedi Knight and thinking about how the high Republic is laid out. I think it's kind of cool. We're now seeing, you know, this is three Padawans in, in Keeve, Byrne and Bell who over the course of these three stories have been promoted or already, or newly Jedi Knights. And they're probably going to carry us through maybe the next phase of the High Republic because it's supposed to, you know, play out over a couple hundred years. So that's kind of neat. They're setting the stage for, you know, characters we're going to follow who will probably set up additional characters we're going to follow. So just good storytelling right there. Absolutely. So Skier's a really fun character. He's appeared in, I think, he's, he's in Light of the Jedi and Tessa Courage. He's been in every High Republic we've seen so far. Is that correct? Yeah. In fact, the the the... Test of Courage happens immediately following this this comic, okay. and both and both of those happen in the middle of Light of the Jedi. Got it. Yeah. So when we get him in in this comic, he's already lost his arm in Light of the Jedi. Yes. <laughs> yes. But then it goes from here, and we'll talk about this probably. Well, we can just mention it now. But in Test of Courage, when he shows up there, it's immediately after the events of this comic book, and he's coming with, uh, um. Keep shoot. Yeah, keep. Good lord. <laughs> yeah. So um so he's he's in all three. Yeah. 
And that's cool. Uh, he's he's a cool character, and he's growing his arm back. I think they mentioned in one of them, it's like that the Trandoshans can grow their arm back, which I think is kind of fun. Absolutely, and uh, you, I mean, he, Trandoshans are lizard-like, right? So, yeah. um, we've seen that's an, an obvious trait for lizards, and we also see it in the lizard from Spider-Man. So, let's just keep it going, you know. If you don't know what a Trandoshan is, uh, but you're familiar with Star Wars, Bosk, the bounty hunter Bosk, is a Trandoshan, and he's a character I've always liked. I think he just has a really cool sinister kind of look to him also i'm terrified of snakes and lizards so I, i've always kind of been a little scared of him and i think also like the fact because i don't know that i ever knew that they could grow back their arms but what a good thing to have as a bounty hunter i mean like you know in, in the, that line of work there's the possibility of losing limbs but no big deal for him so that's that's a really good point i don't know if that's happened in in canon at least bosk is in the clone wars pretty significantly but i don't think he loses a limb at any point in that i could be wrong but that's a i think it's the first time we've seen that but it's pretty cool yeah there's a, bu there's a bunch of transoceans in the mandalorian too that they use that that species a lot yeah which is you know uh, good to see that carryover so obviously a race we should be well aware of yep um one of the things i really liked i know what you had in your notes here but i, I liked keeve as a little bit of a she's a little bit of a, a hothead right a um, little immature there because we see her cursing constantly, which I thought was kind of fun. We haven't seen that really from any Star Wars character who just curses all the time. And she, even in like the presence of, of our Chris at the end of the, the story, she she's cursing. And she, ah, I, gotta, I gotta keep myself from cursing. And it really humanizes her. And I, I like that about her. Yeah. So one, I think that it's really interesting that we have the cussing. And, and as a, as a father, I really appreciate that Star Wars has its own curse words. Sure. So I don't have to like censor my kid from it because if my kid goes to school and says, oh, that's Criff and stupid, no teacher is <laughs> going to get mad, right? They have no idea what's going on. Um, uh, but two is just the fact that like as a teacher, as a person out in the world, we know that there are just people who have foul mouths that cuss constantly. And so it's it brings another sense of, like reality into the Star Wars universe, uh, which is kind of nice, and and it, and it makes sense that somebody who's under stress, like going through the trials, worried about whether she's going to be a knight or not, is going to have these words playing out in her mind. And you talked about her being a hothead, and I think it really shows. She cusses. She's frustrated. I mean, there's like a, a an insect like being <laughs> yeah. that's like talking to her constantly while she's trying to focus. Um, which again, as a father, I can relate. I love my children, but <laughs> wait till they start talking, man. Uh, my, my daughter says daddy at least 14 times before she starts actually saying what she's trying to say. Um, but the, uh, you see her focusing to keep her patience with that insect, right? She's never mean to the insect. I wish I remembered his name, but she's never mean to the insect. She just kind of is like, um, wouldn't, you know, it's, it's, it's when you're trying to focus on something at home and you have kids and you're like, a, Hey, don't you want to go play in your room right now? Like, <laughs> yeah, that be yeah. fun? She does that a little bit, but so she's managing the tension and her frustration, but still being a good representative representative to the Jedi to that being and to that planet. So that's pretty cool. One of the other cool things that we've seen so far from the High Republic is um, different types of lightsabers. We talked about the kind of double-bladed, switchblade type of lightsaber earlier, and different uses for lightsabers. In light of the Jedi 
Um, lightsabers are literally used to weaponize the vehicles, um, and we've seen that used to some pretty cool extent. In this story, uh, we see Keith use her lightsaber in a pretty unique way. Yeah. You want you want me to throw it out there? Yeah. Okay, so she as she's falling, so she's climbing up these needles, and it starts to crack, and then that's when we see these, like, space locusts, like, bust through, and she's falling hundreds of feet. And so she pulls out her lightsaber. Actually, it's it's floating away from her at one point, so she must use the force to, to get it back to her. She ignites it. She jams it into this needle, and it uses it to slow her fall and stop herself from falling, which is dope. And we've seen that with... <laughs> We've seen that with, you know, like, I think old pirate movies using the sword down the sail of the ship, you know? Yeah. But this is one of those things that Star Wars fans were like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Like, some Star Wars fans were really upset because they're like, the lightsaber would not stop. It's still cutting through the rock. Right. And so then people are, like, coming up with, maybe there's Beskar ore in that rock. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. <laughs> It's not, exactly. That's such a Star Wars fan thing sometimes. Like, yo, that's just cool. Like, let it just be cool, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's super cool. And I have zero desire to understand why she didn't fall all the way to the bottom. I just think it looks cool and I like it. It's just something cool that happens. Deal with it. Um, and when we get to Test of Courage in a minute, there's, uh, you know, Vern has modified her lightsaber into a light whip, which is really cool, too. So really the expansion of the lightsabers and what they can do is is something that's really exciting to see in the High Republic. Uh, any other takeaways from Marvel issue one? Okay, so I just reread it this morning. Um, I've got a couple things. Number one, when it comes to her lightsaber too, there's a picture at the end when she's being knighted. And it almost looks like she has two lightsabers on the strap across her chest. We never see her use two lightsabers, I don't think. Um, but I'm like, does she have to? Or is that just something else that kind of looked like a lightsaber? So I'm waiting to see that. Um three other things popped out to me that I really liked. Um, number one, they call Yoda Grandmaster Yoda. Hmm. I don't remember ever hearing anybody called Grandmaster in Star Wars before. Is that just me or is that? Uh, I believe you are correct. So and we, I think we talked about it during Light of the Jedi. We haven't established what Yoda's place on the Jedi Council is in the High Republic. Is he the... I guess the head of the Jedi Council, as we see in the prequels, is he not there yet? That hasn't been established yet. Maybe he is, and that's what the title Grandmaster is. Maybe. Oh, you know what? Hold on. She has a double-bladed lightsaber. She does use it when Skier attacks her, by the way. Yes, yes. So it's double-bladed, which means, because she's using it later as a single, I think she has, like what Cal Kestis has, where it's two separate lightsabers that can snap together cool which i'm super excited about i know i'm backtracking a little bit but i'm as we're talking i'm sliding through all of the uh oh when she's hanging from it it's connected it, but she doesn't have the second lightsaber on so may, i don't know we'll see but there's definitely a double bladed something or other there as i keep going through i was trying to find because there's another character um that's called grandmaster and i i wanted to remember his name it is Vetter, V-E-T-E-R. Uh, the singer of Pearl Jam. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Eddie, Grandmaster Eddie Vetter, um, <laughs> who, uh, you know, he's known both for his Jedi wisdom and his hit single, Jeremy. 
You know, I, it's funny. I'm thinking about Eddie Vedder and his. He could. I could see him being a Jedi if there was like. If you were, if we're gonna do musicians as Jedi, Eddie Vedder would definitely be like a Qui Gon Jinn. That's how I kind of see him. For sure, I'd give it to him. Yeah, uh, but their their names are spelled a little bit differently because this is a T and Vedder's a D. But I think he's a couple D's actually. But this one's kind of cat like in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, got like a cat like face. I don't know what where that accent just came from. Cat like face. Uh, but he's got you know long long flowing beard, but also called a Grandmaster. <laughs> And and bringing up that Grandmaster thing, they're, what they're doing in this scene is that they're trying to make connections. And we, we learned about this a little bit in Light of the Jedi. But we are at the beginning of Bacta. And Bacta is super important in Star Wars. And uh, they're trying to basically make a deal for the right Bacta crops so that they can continue to manufacture this new sort of miracle healing thing that, that that's been discovered. Um, so that's where we see Grandmaster Yoda and Vetter. So he, uh, Maru is the the guy who's got like all the screens in between them, and he's tracking all the Jedi and helping everyone get to Starlight Beacon. So we see him meditating, and I don't know what his species is, but I, I feel like I've seen someone like him before. But we see him, I guess race would be a more respectful term. <laughs> But he's got all these computer screens up and he's tracking them. But he's the one that's really frustrated because he doesn't know where Skier is. Yes. And Avar Chris is like, where's Skier? And he's like, look, I'm trying to get everybody here for Starlight Beacon at once. Like, you can't expect me to know everything. She's like, it's killing you that you don't know where he is right now, isn't it? And he's like, yes. So he's kind of sarcastic, which is kind of fun. I like that too, and I like that uh, this comic gives a little bit of personality, just a, a tiny bit, to, a little bit more personality to Avar Chris. I think we both talked about how she was kind of, um, what would we say, maybe a little wooden or a little uh, very stoic, very stoic. Yeah, and this gives her a little bit of personality, which I liked. Um, any other final thoughts on Marvel issue one? Uh, just that I I like it a lot. <laughs> I like it. I like. I also liked it a lot. I read it twice. Can't wait for the next issue to come out. I think it sets a good tone. Do you think we're going to be focusing just on Keeve? Is this like her story? We're going to see it through the Marvel comics? So I'm going to tell you one other thing that they gave us on that Star Wars High Republic show is they gave us the cover of Star Wars High Republic issue either four or five. Yes. And um, and Skier is definitely going to play a big role. One of the upcoming issues shows him kind of attacking, and it looks like his eyes are glowing yellow. And there's a concern that maybe, and it's not issue two, although it, it looks like the cover of issue two, but his eyes are different. So, um, like maybe he's being controlled by something. Don't don't know for sure. And then uh, we have a later issue where it shows Creve holding Skier on the on the ground, like maybe he's been hurt. Now, um, I don't know if that all counts for spoilers. We've already warned you about spoilers, but I think it's definitely going to do, do a lot with Keeve and a lot with Skier. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, here's the thing about comics, though, and I don't think it's it, they're there yet in this line. Sometimes the covers mean nothing. I'm sure you've known that from reading a lot of comics. Right. So a lot of times it'll be like this character, it, you like the, the, the cover with Ski, Skier on the ground, like, oh, man, Skier's going to die in issue five. What the heck? Yeah. And really, it's just like Skier was asleep. Skier got knocked out. <laughs> Skier got knocked out for 10 seconds. He's okay. He's just sleeping. <laughs> so, yeah, I, 
a nap to grow back arms. So, <laughs> so I think uh, we both really are in agreement. The Marvel comic is super fun. Pick it up if you haven't had a, a chance to read it yet. Um, it's available in uh, comic shops in physical form on your Comicsology Kindle, Marvel app, whatever you use for digital. And a trade paperback, I think, is coming out over the summer, June or July, which I'll probably pick that up, too, because I, I want to have it collected. Same. And was the pick it up a ska pun, or was that just unintentional? I, I just I just <laughs> dropped that into my – it's just part of my lexicon and vocabulary at all times. Like, I, I can't even help it. Right. Let's jump into A Test of Courage by Justina Ireland. So A Test of Courage is a middle, middle-aged reader, right? So it's not, not middle a – Middle grade. Middle grade, yeah, not middle aged. <laughs> it's not a young adult. Um, that's what uh, the Claudia Gray book is. It's not the young reader. That's what like the Great Jedi Rescue. So this is a middle grade reader. Um, I have my copy too. We both have our copies. Look at that. Um, anyone wondering? I did not end up buying the signed copy like I said I was going to. Um, I just had some other expenses. But if they put out more signed High Republic books, I'll probably get one. But a middle grade reader, um, a light. Breezy, easy read. I think it's about a 230 pages or so. And then it actually has um, first chapter or two of Race to Crash Point Tower. I did not read that. I just want to wait until that comes out. Did you read that part, that little coda there? Uh, no, no, I skipped it on purpose. Yeah, me too. But I'm going to give us a little plot summary here of A Test of Courage, and then we'll jump into our discussion. Before you do plot summary, can I yeah. say one more thing? Sure. This was fascinating. As as a future librarian and all that, like I've said probably way too many times, I sound like I'm bragging about it. Um, but the uh, Justina Ireland talked about the difference between a middle grade reader and a YA reader, and I found that fascinating. Um, so middle grade readers are typically aimed at like fourth or eighth grade, and, and YA readers are probably like you know eighth and on. Um, but she broke it down this way. She said middle grade readers are supposed to be between 45,000 and 60,000 words. And a YA reader is going to be between 90,000 and 120 words. Um, so that was fascinating. She also talked about how pacing is very important in, in middle grade books. Um, so because middle grade kids don't have the patience for you to sit and describe setting for 12 pages or whatever, uh, or like how people are thinking, it's very action driven. So I thought that was really, really fascinating to hear her talk about that. And uh, so, yeah, I just thought that was an interesting distinction to throw out there for those of you who are wondering what we mean when we talk about the junior readers and the young adult readers and middle grade and all that, just to put it in a little bit of perspective for you. Yeah, and I could definitely see that reflected in the book. It, it moves very quickly. There's action kind of ev almost every couple chapters, and it's very streamlined, right? So it only focuses on our main characters, and I don't think there's a single chapter other than maybe the first chapter about the Nile that's... Um, POV on anybody else other than our main characters. I could be wrong about that, but I don't think so. No, you're right. And and also mentioning that it's very character driven. Like that's what middle grade kids are interested in as the characters. So she was like, we're, we're going to spend a lot of time on the characters. So, And if you haven't read um, some of the other Star Wars publishing middle grade readers, I highly recommend them. Uh, specifically Pirate's Price, which follows Hondo. Um, that's a really fun book. Um, Lando's Luck was really excellent and maybe my favorite Star Wars book ever, or at least in the top three, um, Mighty Chewbacca and the Forest of Fear is just an excellent, super fun book. And people don't talk about that enough. So those middle grade readers um, are, are, you know, you can read them over one sitting, maybe one or two nights. Um, they're really fun. And they always have some cool artwork. And I love the the kind of splash pages we got in this book too. 
Yeah, and Lando's Luck is written by Justina Ireland as well. So yes. that's another take by her if you're interested in it. And it's got she she told a a, a story where she said she w was at a, a like a Comic Con and uh, she was put up in the hotel by by Disney and by Lucasfilm and she ran into Billy D Williams in the elevator who plays Lando, right? Mm -hmm. Um and she was uh, super excited about him being in it, and she wanted to show him her book. And then she realized that her book has Donald Glover on the cover, and she's like, "Oh, I shouldn't do that." <laughs> but, but that's very it's 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 just kind of a cool quick quick story. So, yeah, those are fun books. Uh, everybody should I recommend them. Those are my recommendations of the week. Check out Lando's Luck, Pirates of Price, and uh, definitely Mighty Chewbacca on the Force of Fear. I love that book. I need to read um, it. so Test of Courage. Let's get into it. Uh, I have a brief plot summary. Because it is a very um, light book, and I don't mean that in a negative way. There's just, you know, like you said, it's, it's very streamlined. So we follow Vanestra Rowe, um, and she's just become a Jedi Knight at the age of 15, which is one of the youngest Jedi Knights ever. Uh, she goes by Vern for short, and she's assigned one of her first missions, which is guarding Avon Staros on the ship the Steady Wing. The Steady Wing is a cruiser carrying politicians from across the galaxy that are headed to the opening of the Starlight Beacon. However, a small group of Nile have stowed aboard the Steady Wing to plant explosives. As these explosives go off, they ca it causes the death of everyone on board, except for Burn, Avon, Avon's droid J6, uh, another Jedi Padawan named Imri Kantaros, and Honesty Weft, who is the son of a Dalen ambassador who was killed in the explosion. The young survivors seek refuge on a moon in the Hetzel system. There they encounter the many dangers, uh, dangerous elements of this plant, of this moon, including acid rain. And the way they deal with the acid rain, I thought was really clever and cool. The Nile responsible for the Steady Wing's destruction have also landed on the moon. Imri, unable to control his emotions after the death of his master Douglas, which, by the way, it's it sounds always weird in Star Wars when you see like a real person's name in a Star Wars book like Douglas. I thought that was that was kind of interesting to me. Um, and Honesty, who's distraught over the loss of his father attempt to seek revenge on the Nile, but are captured. So Avon, J6, and Burn must mount a rescue mission to save them. Once the Nile have been defeated, Imri realizes he has a lot more to learn as a Jedi Padawan, and Burn feels that she has earned her Jedi knighthood and uh, earned some of her confidence as the group finally reaches the Starlight Beacon. That is my streamlined two-paragraph summary of Test of Courage. Yeah, I loved it, dude. And I, I, I wish I'm looking forward to maybe seeing like Master Fred or Master, uh, <laughs> Master, Master Pete in future books. I think that is cool. That's something that they do in Star Wars. They like drop names in, but even like the real world names they drop in, like a Han or Leia or Finn or Ray, aren't always like the most common names, right? It's not like a Mike or a Joe or to your point, like Peter Fred. But Douglas, I feel, is a pretty common name. And that one just like, oh, Douglas? It just seems, every time I read it, it just seems weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's good times. And I should so, say, also, you, you, you mentioned Ver, Vern, uh, Vernestra going by Vern. She doesn't seem to like going by Vern. Correct, it's, yes. It, it's a nickname that was given to her and that, like, Avon uses to irritate her. So. Yes, and I, I love... I love all the characters in this book. I think that, the, it, like you said, it's very character-driven. There's a lot of character development in, in a really short book. It's only about 220 pages in this book. But each of the characters grows a lot. Um, 
Vern uh, is maybe my favorite character we've met so far in the High Republic. And I'm not saying that because I took a what's High Republic character are you? And I got Vern, which I did. But I, I just I like her. I think she's she's relatable. She's someone who feels like she's in over her head and is, is really um, not necessarily confident in her abilities. But those abilities are definitely there. She's the youngest um, Jedi Knight in, in a long time at the age of 15, which I think that's really cool. Yeah, I do think that's cool. And that's one of the things that kind of plays off of in the story a lot, because we also have Emery, who's this Padawan, who's only like a year or two younger than her. Right. And so there's a little bit of like, tr you get that sense of like trying to live up to somebody who has just excelled well beyond what's normal. Like normally you are not a Jedi Knight as young as Vern is. And if you're kind of stuck with her, that tension of like, I, not that he doesn't like her, but just that tension of like, I can never be as good as she is, you know? Yeah. I mean, even Anakin was not a Jedi Knight at the age of 15. Yeah. Anakin had a rough go all over, right? Like <laughs> He wasn't, he didn't get to be anything he wanted to be, unfortunately. Yeah. Like um, Jedi Master, but you can't be on the council, you know, like Jedi. Poor, poor, poor Anakin. Oh, wait, um, no. It was, was it on the council, but can't be a Jedi Master? Whatever, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, the other character that really stood out to me, of course, was Avon Staros. And, you know, just those, that connective tissue in Star Wars, uh, Avon Staros is, uh, I'm assuming a distant, 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 distant relative, great, 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 great grandmother or something like that, of Sana Staros, who was first introduced in the uh, original Star Wars Marvel run after the reboot there, um, as the wife of Han Solo and the um, girlfriend of Dr. Aphra. So she plays a really um, significant part in those Marvel comics. But I just love that we're seeing, you know, some connective tissue to some of the deeper canon stuff. And Avon was a cool character, too. I, I liked her. She's super smart. She's kind of a tinkerer, an inventor. Um, but she also, like, can can hold herself really well in a political forum. So uh, a, a character I hope we spend more time with. Yeah, so Avon. So first of all, one of the things that was cool is I, I think I was watching uh, – the Star Wars Explained YouTube video where they're talking, they were interviewing Justina Ireland and he talked about that connection to Sana Staros. And he was like, you know, we were meeting all these families like the, the, um, who do we have in, in Light of the Jedi that we talked about? The Santecas. Yeah, the Santecas and the Staros who have lineage that extends into the future. And most of those families are like these really wealthy aristocratic families here. And then when we see them later, they're like, they're not doing as well. And so, like, it makes you wonder, like, what happened to their families over the periods of years, which I thought was pretty fascinating. That is interesting. I, I did think that about Avon. She comes from a, a wealthy political family. And then we see Sana, who is, I mean, in the Dr. Afro comics, I don't want to spoil too much if people haven't read that. She is in, in like, college, but she become, ends up being a, a smuggler at some point in her career. Um, so that's interesting. And they, they talked about, too, how um, how... Avon is very like, there's two other things I want to say about Avon. This is one of them that she's very um, direct. Like she just says what she feels and she doesn't like beat around the bush at all. Um, and that that is a character trait that Sana seems to carry as well. Like they're just like, I don't, I'm going to say what I think and I don't care about your opinion kind of thing. Yes. So that's just a, a family trait there. So I hope we spend more time with her. I liked her a lot. Um, and then uh, just going through the characters, I guess we're kind of going that way. We have uh, Imri, Emery. Um, I got to say, I didn't like this guy. Uh, he's not a character that I, I really was digging. 
Um, Cause obviously like he is uh, problematic. He's still immature in his Padawan learning there. Um, and you're, you're kind of like, dude, what are you doing? Like, this is not what a Jedi does. And it just shows that people are in different paths in their Jedi journey. You know, you said that they're, you know, Burn is only a year or two older than Emery. And that's a, a point of uh, conflict in this story is that he feels like you're only a year or two older than me. How come you're a Jedi Knight and I'm not? Yeah, let me, uh, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to bounce back for just one second to that sure. last thing I want to say about Avon. So I have known uh, people who are legitimately geniuses. Um, and Thank you. Yes, you know me. Thank you. You're, you're welcome. Mm -hmm. And um, you won't. You probably won't like what I'm going to say next. Then, but <laughs> oh, no. never wait. Hold on, I, I reserve my comment. But the uh, but the people that I've known that are legitimately geniuses, they're also often very socially awkward and do not pick up on social cues, and essentially need help with that aspect of existence. Right? Um, we see that with people like Einstein, who you know didn't know how to tie his shoes and stuff like that. Right? So, um, and I think that fits Avon as well, which is part of why she has this droid that's kind of meant to help her like navigate like normal existence, but she seems to be exceptionally bright when it comes to, uh, you know, technology and, and, and that kind of stuff. So um, I thought that was an interesting aspect of her character as well that I wanted to mention. Yeah, we'll go back to Emery in a second. Something that they just planted a little seed in this story, which I thought was interesting, was her interest in kyber crystals. Did you pick up on that? I did. And now I'm like, does, is this going to connect to the Death Star one day? Maybe, yeah. She she has an interest in kyber crystals and wonders what else they could be used for. So we know what where eventually that that's going with Rogue One and the Death Star and and whatnot. But interesting that she's very curious on that. Yeah, and and my first thought was, is she in some way related to to Galen Erso? You know, because I don't think that she's malicious at all. And like neither was Galen, right? Galen had good intentions. Um, but unfortunately, often good intentions are taken over by people with ill intentions. So, uh, so definitely something to look forward to in the future. And, and I, uh, did you want to say anything else about Avon and then I, or I'll give my thoughts on Emery? No, no, go ahead on Emery. So for Emery, I felt like, um, I, I get what you're saying. Like he's hard to like in some ways, but here, here's what I thought was so fascinating by him. Um, so he's a little bit, what is, is he 14 or is he 16? I was thinking he was 14 and she's 16. She's either 15 or 16 and he's 13 or 14. So around there. Yeah. Yeah. So if he's 14 years old, we're talking about an eighth grader, go, you know, maybe a ninth grader, I, you know, putting it in perspective for our own understanding. And you can see that he's someone that's wrestling with good versus evil and has often probably been taught the idea that like, this is good, this is bad and sort of a binary way, instead of trying to understand the fluid function of those things, right? And so, and we may talk about this more, more later, but when we get into the light whip, he has serious concerns about whether that's maybe a dark side kind of thing, um, but is comforted by knowing uh, Vern and, and her character. Um, so it's interesting that we also have him as this character who really wrestles with the dark side as we get further into the story. Um, because no matter how much you have this idea of what's right and what's wrong, experience puts you in situations where you have to deal with it in real time. And losing Master Douglas really, I think, puts him in that situation where he's like, this was my father, you know, my father figure that I've just lost. That's why I like doing this podcast with you. You know, that, that you bring that English, uh, 
librarian background. You, you show me things that I might not have thought of. And uh, what I was thinking while you're saying that was, yeah, he is 14. I was an idiot when I was 14. I was a jerk and I wasn't very likable probably either. So I guess that puts it in a good perspective. Um, and like you said, experience changes who you are. Then the other thing I thought was, do you think they ever called him like Doug? Hey, Master Doug, what's up? <laughs> uh, I, I think it was probably Big D in the Jedi table. Uh, <laughs> so I got to throw the ska reference in. but Yeah. So then the other main character we have is Honesty, which was an interesting name. I don't know. I struggled with that every time I read it, too. Not the pronunciation, but I'm like, that's just doesn't seem like a name, honesty. Um, I am sure, and I, I'm, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm, I'm going to say I'm 99% sure, you have some sort of insight or thought about why this character was named Honesty. So give it to me. I wish I had more than I I'm could putting say. you on the spot, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's cool. I wish I had more than I could say. I mean, it's interesting because we don't often get characters who are named specifically for character traits, right? Right. And also... And this may be a, a judgment against our society. We tend to associate those kinds of names with feminine characters, hmm. right? Like I'll name my daughter Joy or Hope or something like that, but I wouldn't name my son that. And so we have a male character named Honesty, which is interesting. Also interesting when you talk about Honesty as a character is that he wants to be a soldier on a planet that doesn't fight. Mm -hmm. He is a survivalist in the sense like wants to know how to like survive out in the wild and stuff like that. And he's a character that is wrestling with, again, a young character who's wrestling with these intentions of like, I want to be this, but my parents want me to be this other thing. Um, I, I think that we don't know, we don't understand honesty's name yet because we're not there yet. I think when we see honesty further and by the way, um, I don't want to get this wrong. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So Justina Ireland's the next YA author. Yes. And she's following these characters in her YA book. Oh, that's exciting. Okay. So that book will be, you know, twice as long, 60,000 to 120,000 words. So I'm hoping that we'll get a little bit more of honesty in that one, because I feel like honesty was set up to be an interesting character. And we got a little bit of that here, but I think we're going to get more later. Because Honesty is really wrestling throughout the whole book with a deep sense of mourning. The last conversation he had with his father was an argument over, I want to be this thing and you want me to be this other thing. And I'm supposed to be home right now in this sort of coming of age experience. But you took me away from that to do this thing that I don't care about and don't want to do. And so he he was mourning that. And then he sort of tried to step into some sort of action and 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 it was not the right action necessarily um and he kind of figured as he was going that it was not the right action um but i think we're going to have some more development with him and i think honesty will become a more significant name as we get further into his character and that book is out of the shadows which is coming out july 27th which is my daughter's one-year birthday so i'll be looking forward to that. that'll be a one-year birthday present for me and that, I'm um, looking at the cover right now. On the cover is Vern, Emery, and Avon. So I did not put that together, but I am so stoked to be following these characters again. Yeah, and interesting that Honesty is not on the cover. So I, w I wonder what we'll see. Yeah, very cool. Um, one of the other cool takeaways from this book was, as you mentioned, the Light Whip, which is something we've always heard about in, you know, our, our, our extended universe Star Wars um, books that have come before the new canon. 
something we always thought well, that would be really cool. I believe it shows up in Knights of the Old Republic and some comics, but uh, here we see it uh, and it's all, all its glory, the light whip that Vern kind of uh, modified her lightsaber into. So it can be both a lightsaber and then it seems like she can quickly do an Optimus Prime transformation on it and it becomes a light whip. And I think that's pretty neat. Again, just diving into lightsabers are, can do different things than what we're accustomed to and shows that Vern is, is that type of character who's just thinking outside of the box, looking for different ways to, to use the force and, and kind of make the, the force and her Jedi knighthood her own. And I, I thought that was neat. Yeah, so a few things about that. Justina Ireland, in one of the interviews that I watched, either the the Star Wars High Republic show or the Star the Star Wars Explained, she talked about how when she chose to do this, she was just thinking about how this is the worst weapon ever, like a terrible idea of a weapon. Like she thought they were cool in like the legend stories, which yeah. by the way they were they were different in the legend stories because it was multiple kyber crystals linked together yes. to cre create the whipping thing, whereas this is just one. Um, but she was like, I mean, literally, this is a free moving thing that can cut anything in half. It's the most dangerous thing a person could probably ever own. You know, we get those memes of Luke right after he gets his lightsaber looking directly into it. Before, yeah. you know? um, this is way worse than that, um, because if you're not 100 percent careful when you're using it, you're going to cut yourself in half. Um, and so she's it's just a dangerous and interesting weapon in general. And just think about pop culture, like who's the first person you think of with a whip is Indiana Jones. I can't think of any great other whip users in pop culture. Catwoman, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, but with that too, with the, with the light whip and, and all that sort of dangerousness or whatever, what I thought was really interesting, a couple things I thought were interesting about it. Number one is that she, felt like the force gave her the directions to modify her whip in that way. Uh, which is really cool because, you know, when they're putting their lightsabers together, it's meant to be this sort of med meditational experience in the force as they're building it. So for the force to be like, you're going to do something a little different. That's, that's pretty cool. You have in your notes there, Glenna Kit. I don't remember that name. Let me, let me, Give me one more second, and I'll come come to it if you don't mind. Not trying to uh, to stay too long. Um, also, with the light whip, the uh, it was interesting because Emery's concerned about the light whip with its associations with the dark side, mm -hmm. and he mentions specifically that he knows that there were force users that functioned with less regulation, like they weren't under like the Jedi Council, such as the Night Sisters and the Guardians of Javan who used light whips. So several really interesting things here. One is we were just talking about way seekers being people that don't function under the leadership of the uh, council. And here we have some other people like that, but maybe who are a little bit more on the dark side. And I'm I, honestly, I would love more night sister stuff. Um, and then the guardians of Javan have not been in anything, but we've yeah. heard of that planet before. Yes. Speaking of Night Sisters, I'm going to tie this back into what we talked about at the beginning of this episode. Have you heard the theory that the witch in Battle for Endor is a Night Sister? No. Oh well, when we talk about Battle for Endor one day, uh, yeah, there's that 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 witch whose name I don't remember right now, but there's a theory that she's a Night Sister, so that's pretty cool. That's awesome. And without spoilers, I think that there's a, a specific Night Sister in uh, Fall uh, Jedi Fallen Order that people are really hoping we see a lot more of. Yes, absolutely. 
Uh, Glenna Kitt. Talk to me about Glenna Kitt. I don't remember this name. Okay, so Glenna Kitt is the person who Avon Staros' mother wants her to work with on the ship. She's a scientist kind of, right? So that, Got it, yes. But Glenna Kitt is also in, like, that character is in Spark of the Resistance. So she is a long-lived character. She's like, Spark of the Resistance is right uh, right around uh, Rise of Skywalker, I believe. So that's like four, 300, 400 years later after this story. Yeah, so we don't have anything about her. She wasn't on the ship for Avon to work with her. So she obviously survived. And we've got her all the way down in uh, Spark of the Resistance. But that's an interesting plant to throw in there. Like an interesting character name to just toss in there. So I'm betting we're going to see more of her. I read Spark of the Resistance, but I don't remember her showing up in that story. I'm going to have to go back and revisit it a little bit. But man, I love that connective tissue. I am so nerdy for that stuff when they drop those little things in there. Yeah, let me see. Let me see real quick if it uh, make sure I'm not lying to you. But well, you know, if you type in Glenna Mitt, that's not going to work. It's going to take you to <laughs> MIT's website. Uh, MIT. Yes. <laughs> well, um, genius is there probably with uh, bad uh, social skills. Right. Absolutely. And you know what? I, maybe I've got the name written down wrong. It's not coming up and I'm not going to worry about it too much. But Glenna yeah, Kip. I'm, pretty sure, it's Glenna Kip. I'm pretty sure the character's name is Glenna Kip. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll talk about it more later. Um, it's Glenna Kip. Or I could be totally wrong. You know, maybe I'll be 100% wrong and we'll just be like, way to boff the podcast, buddy. Like, No, uh, no. And I know we're going off or off topic here, but I looked on Wikipedia. It's Glenna Kip, K-I-P. There we go, Kip. Yeah. We've both suffered from mistyping a name at one point today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very cool. I can't wait to see what we learn about her. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff, definitely. And there, there's so many interesting little threads tying everything back together. So we get to meet a a, a few of the Nile here who work for Kasav. Um, so we know that this story is taking place concurrently with Light of the Jedi. We know that Kasav... Um, meets his demise in Light of the Jedi, and most of his Tempest meets their demise as well. So they are a group um, that are with Kasav, and they are just kind of doing an, uh, an execution or, uh, you know, just trying to destroy the ship so these uh, delegates from different planets don't get to the Starlight Beacon and don't join the Republic. I believe these planets were from the Outer Rim, where the Nile is mostly hanging out. Um, so it seems like they're going to try and start, if I'm thinking ahead, uh, some sort of civil war here. Maybe the Outer Rim versus the Core Planets. Did you get that theme? Well, they, what they specifically talked about, uh, their intention being, was that they did not want, and I'm scrolling back through your notes to see the name of the uh, planet. They did not want Dalin yes. uh, to join the Republic because they then there would be Republic ships floating around where they're trying to do their business more. Yes, yes. That's their that's their main intention there. So, Yes, so the Dalin... Uh, Politicians who are on here, including Honesty's father, are all killed um, by the Nile. And um, at the end of the story, I, I don't remember because I finished it like a week ago. They they take the Nile into custody. Yes. Yes. Okay. And and can we say too with those two Nile characters? I'm trying to see the names real quick as well. Trying to back myself up here. Um, oh, there's one other thing I definitely need to talk about on this podcast too. Um, but the one, do you remember the races of the two Nile? Um, I don't. Because they're at the very, very beginning, right? Clinith Da. Yep. And Guishi, right? Yes. 
and uh, Clinith's a human woman, and Guishi is a um, Gungan. I don't know if that's actually true. No, no. But uh, by the way, Clinith has bright, like I think, pink hair or whatever. Yes. But there's a picture of him in the book. I mean, I feel like we should just look at the picture. Yeah. So what I, I'm gonna, I'm still gonna be looking. But with Guishi, what was so interesting is it talks about like missing an eye and like having like bright blue ink tattooed. So his face has these like shining blue lights. Oh, Guishi's a Panda Baba. Remember Panda Baba? You know who Panda Baba is? No. Uh, the uh, he doesn't like you either. The guy with the oh, yeah, yeah, face. Yeah, 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 that's him. That's what Guishi is. Yeah. It says the name of the race in here somewhere, but I don't remember. I know. I, I'm, I'm like discriminating against uh, his race, but I'm going to call him a Panda Baba. I'm sorry. Right. Well, you got to do what you got to do, right? <laughs> anyway. Yes. Yeah, they're pretty cool. I like the Nile, man. They, they have that like Mad Max feel to them. They all look really unique, and I love the way they always describe them because none, none of them seem the same. Like they're all kind of those misfits out in space. They look neat. Yeah, and and when I was scrolling back through there, absolutely agree with you. But when I was scrolling back through there, something uh, jarred in my mind that I was like, "Oh, I got to talk about this." Uh, with with uh, Vern being Merillion, 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 however you say that that race, it was interesting because uh, again, this was in the the Star Wars Explained uh, video. He asked, you know, uh, Justina Ireland, like, why why did you make her Merillion? And I, I thought it was really interesting because she talked about how she felt like this is something we talked about in the last podcast. So we are ahead of the curve. We are, you know, forerunners. But he talked about how um, the, uh, um, the the human Jedi seem to get the most attention. But what about all the other races and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. And she was talking about how – and when you have a human Jedi, then you're going to have – people who are like, well, why are there not enough black Jedi? Why are there not enough this or that or whatever? Kind of us as readers bringing our own feelings and prejudices or desires or whatever into Star Wars. And Justina Ireland talked about how one of the things she loves about using someone that's like a Mirialian is that you can actually talk more about issues like prejudice or talk about issues that are human issues without people getting so upset because it's not it doesn't feel as personal. You know what I mean? Yes. And so it gives the opportunity for her to make more statements about social issues and social contracts and that kind of stuff um, in the text without people getting their hackles up. And it also gives the opportunity where if she doesn't want to do that, she doesn't have to worry about it because she's not, a, she's not a person. She's a Mirialian. You know, she's not a, she's not a, an earthling, you know, with one of our races, she's a Mirialian. Um, so um, so I thought that was really cool. I thought that, and, that, and to me, that gives us an idea too of what might or might not happen with Vern in the future uh, of, of you know the YA book. So, any other thoughts, Brian, on a test of courage that you wanted to touch on? I have two thoughts about the Starlight Beacon that also came up in interviews. Okay. Um, on the High Republic show, they talked about the Starlight Beacon as being an opposite Death Star, which huh. is interesting. Yeah. That that just kind of I was like, ooh, little lights flickered because I was like, yeah, the Death Star is this giant, you know, massive ship traveling around spreading death and fear, and the Starlight Beacon is this giant massive massive ship that's spreading hope, and 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 healing and all that. And I thought that was really cool. 
And that's it. I'm not going to talk about the other one because I, I think that the other one's too complicated to try and explain in a brief amount of time. But um, yeah, so I'm. it just makes me proud that we're called Starlight Beacon and uh, we're spreading hope. Any final thoughts on Test of Courage in general? Did you did you love it, like it, hate it? I loved it, man. I mean, is it going to be... So I love Justina Ireland. I've talked about this before, her other books, Dread Nation, stuff like that. I, I love her as an author. It's not going to be one of my top books ever. I'm super excited to see her do a YA book because pretty much all she's done in Star Wars is middle grade and they're great, but there's just, for me, not enough room to develop things as much as I'd like. And so, um, and even though I do love these middle grade books, I'm excited about a little bit more development in a YA book. The characters are definitely characters that I love. Um, kind of like you, I'm more into um, Vern and Avon and Avon's droids, J6. We didn't talk about J6 like at all. Yeah. Uh, J6 is a trip and she's got a little um, like uh, scouting droid that, you know, can basically be a little ball. And then you know what J6 like, reminded me of? Um, have you read the Dr. Afro comics? I've read, yeah, some of them. It reminded me of Dr. Afro's uh, protocol droid a little bit, except for not evil. Triple Zero with all the guns and everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, and I think they're... So, again, maybe not tr not trying to be too uh, uh, topical here or whatever, but J6, it's interesting how they use droids to deal with the concept of racism and prejudice. Sure. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we have J6, who's this character, you know, she's like, I just thought it was wrong that, you know, J6 couldn't decide what kind of person she wanted to be. And so she kind of like messes with J6's programming so she can do whatever. And so in some ways that reminded me of, um, oh, what's uh, Lando's droid in Solo? Um, L3, L3. That's right. Because L3 is just like, you know, it's barbaric, you're droid fighting. And yes, yes, I got that vibe too. It wants to free everybody. And it also gave me a little bit of a vibe of a K2SO. So we get some great, great droids and they don't get enough uh, credit. I love, I mean, obviously I love C3PO and R2D2. R2D2 is like the king of all droids, but uh, we've get so many other really interesting droids throughout these series that it's cool to have another one introduced. And I, I love Test of Courage. I think it was a really fun read. I read it. Uh, I couldn't put it down. Got through it in a day or two. Um, like you said, I, I love these middle grade books as well. To me, this is not as strong as some of the ones I mentioned, um, you know, Lando's Luck, Pirate's Price, and uh, Mighty Chewbacca, but still a really good read and seems to be essential as we set up the rest of this universe uh, for High Republic. We need a lot of interesting characters. And um, yeah, I, everything we've gotten so far, the Marvel comic, um, Test of Courage, and especially Light of the Jedi have all been aces in my book. I recommend them to anybody. I think we could not have started off stronger with this High Republic. Yeah, and we've mentioned this before, but I mean, Test of Courage was number two on the New York Times bestseller list. Yes. While Life Jedi was number one. So That's awesome. Aside from them obviously being propelled by just the hype, they they earn it. They earned their, their places. Yeah, absolutely. So just some show notes as we wrap up. Um, we are proud to be participating in Star Wars Podcast Day which is, as of this recording, I think there's 80 podcasts that are all participating, which, all right, I get it. There's a lot of Star Wars podcasts out there. We're one of hundreds, but thank you for listening to us. But um, we're going to be participating in that. What that entails is all the Star Wars podcasts and the Star Wars podcasting community really supporting each other, really going out and saying, hey, check these guys out or check out what these people are doing over here. 
and all releasing a show on the same day, which will be February 7th, a week from today as our recording. And this uh, we have a recording on Sunday. Uh, Super Bowl Sunday, so that's going to be exciting. I can listen to some Star Wars podcasts while I watch, right before I watch the Super Bowl. Um, we will be participating. We'll be covering the Marvel comic number two and the first issue of the IDW Adventures um, on that episode. And then our next proper episode, we will be talking about the Claudia Gray book, young adult novel, Into the Dark, which we are both super excited about. Um, anything else you wanted to wrap up with, Brian? Uh, just, I'd encourage you, since we are going to be going into Super Bowl Sunday, if you're a football fan, look for, there is a, this This is old, I don't know if you've seen this, but somebody went through and redid all the NFL football teams with Star Wars logos and names. Cool. And so you can find them, so like, uh, um, I don't know, I, I don't even remember what the Dallas, you know, I'm, I'm from Dallas, so Dallas Cowboys, you know. But every single one of them has some sort of Star Wars logo and name. So if you need some football Star Wars content, it's out there. Go look for the the Star Wars uh, NFL helmets and teams. Are you a football fan? Uh, I was bef- back in the 90s when we won three out of four Super Bowls in a row. <laughs> um, and uh, we used to watch them a lot as um, um, as uh, a family. And I have a sister who's been pretty ill for a long time. So that kind of we kind of stopped doing that which kind of kind of stunk but like after we won three out of four of our um you know super bowls then real shortly after that like a whole bunch of our players went to jail and <laughs> so that'll that'll uh, uh it'll kind of uh put a damper on your nfl love sure and i'm from new jersey so i'm a new york giants fan so we agree on a lot of things on our love of star wars and scott but our football teams are rivals yeah well i'll tell you i, I I, uh, the only team that I deeply hope loses on a regular basis is the New England Patriots. So, uh, well, everyone knows, and we're going to maybe alienate some people here, but every sports team from New England is the worst. So we, I just put that out there. <laughs> my, my wife's from Boston. So her family, if they listen to this, will not be pleased. <laughs> I'm a diehard Yankee fan. I got bottles thrown at me and kicked out of Fenway park when I went to see a Red Sox Yankees game. So that's a story for another day. Um, but thanks for tuning in to starlight beacon. Um, really appreciate our conversation today, Brian. Thanks for chatting with me. And uh, we'll talk to everybody on uh, uh, February. I was going to say September 7th. Jeez. February 7th for Star Wars Podcasting Day. And we'll be back in two weeks with our discussion of Into the Dark. So for Brian, this is Gary. And as always, we are all the Republic.